This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another episode of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, UFC 271 on the horizon in Houston, Texas. Fantastic main event, a rematch between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. And I forgot to mention, of course, that Joe is the law member of the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame. I was just going to call you out on that. I'm like, each week you get me excited, you hype me up to start the show, and today was just flat. So I've got to ask you, are you having an okay day, Aaron, today? Are you okay? You all interviewed out or, or what? I just interviewed Roxanne Modafferi, so that was my only interview of the day. Uh, okay. And she's just got such a positive energy about her. I, I couldn't be uh, stressed out speaking to Roxanne. Oh. You know, so this is Aaron in his zen state. You're in yeah. zen mode right now. Well, I'll pull the curtain back. Yesterday, I... Uh, this is going to be a kind of a weird story, but I'm, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'm getting old. And I uh, <laughs> had an interview with Israel at uh, 4.30. And at around like 3.45, I threw on some sweatpants. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go hit the bag for a bit and just like take my nice. mind off of things, you know, get, get my heart pumping, get ready to go. And uh, I didn't stretch well beforehand. And mm. I don't know what happened, but I like had like a, ma- like a muscle spasm or something like eight minutes before the interview. And I'm oh. upstairs, and my wife's, like, rubbing my back, and it was, like, a whole thing. And then I had to get my suit on, had to get everything ready to go. And I sat down and did the interview, and, like, I guess the adrenaline had just kicked in because, like, I didn't feel anything during the interview. But beforehand, yeah. it was, like, it was a bad scene. Oh, I, I, I just watched the interview about a half an hour ago. It was on YouTube. TSN uh, released it. So you looked fine. It didn't look like you are in pain or had a muscle spasm, so it was good. Yeah, it was, it was bad news. I was, you know, as I get older. It was lower just, back, too. Was yeah, it was lower, lower back. back. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I guess like the yeah lower back, and it was like it was it was it was not fun. No, but were I got to some high kicks or what? Were they high kicks you were throwing, or there was just just a regular twisting and it turning was, and got it, it going? It was everything. Yeah, I was throwing low kicks, high kicks, doing spinning movement. back kicks, three sixty kicks, double touch back I did, kicks. I didn't do any. No, none of those. But you know, it's not still yet. for me at at age forty, it, it all hurts. It all it's it's no fun. Yeah, come on. You see Joe Rogan hitting that bag. You gotta, you gotta kind of step up with those. Yeah, but I would pass you Sada does, and he wouldn't. We'll just put it that way. There you go. He Ooh, I like it. Too. I'm not speaking out of time. Yeah, no, he definitely would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, get more uh, active. Because in the winter, I don't exercise quite as much. You know, in the summer, I do a lot of swimming and stuff like that. So you know, just get, get the, get the muscles moving. But I need to stretch more. That's the problem. And that's what I yeah. think you need to do for your bazookatraining.com. You need to just do like a, a, a stretching video. Yeah. I, I always say though, stretching, it's like, I know it's nice and people want to do it and there's a routine, but it's like, to me, it's like you can go anywhere and, and look for stretching videos. I usually give high kick flexibility ones, some of my favorite, but I thought about it. I'll, I'll definitely add some more of it, but I'll give you my little trick and I'm not sponsored by them at all, but there's a yoga app and I've been doing it for many years. It's called Down Dog. And uh, it's probably the best yoga app. You go in and you kind of – every morning I do it. And my back, my hamstrings, my, my neck, my posture, everything has been fantastic. And all, I, all you do is you adjust how much time you have. You can do 15 minutes, 18 minutes, 20. And then you just kind of – you do a full practice based on your level and it guides you through a whole yoga session. And that's been a huge help for me. All right. Well, maybe my wife and I will do that in the morning. Yeah, try it. Honestly, it's uh, they have a nice trial to try out. I'm getting most of my fighters on it. I was like, they're like, what stretch? I'm like, just go and relax and do it. I mean, you'll you'll feel your lower back, your hamstring. It takes you full a full practice, and I think honestly, 20 minutes at the end, 
my favorite part is the Shavasana. Just lay in there and just I get to relax and you feel good. So try it out. All right. Noted. I'll do that before I, uh, I hit the bag next time. because There, there you go. It felt good while Can't I was be... doing it, but then afterwards, of course, it does not. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that interview with Izzy. I felt like you kind of took things outside the box a little bit. It was well done. Well, you know, I try to because, and you know what, I, after I did the interview, I went online and kind of, you know, waxed poetic about how lucky we are to have somebody like Israel in the sport because not only is he at the top of the game as a champion, but he's also just a really good representative of the sport. He, he doesn't do the same interview twice. Like, you never hear him say the same thing multiple times in interviews. He's very, like, you know, stream of consciousness, which I love from just somebody who d- does a lot of interviews. He's just very good in that regard. And then he also yeah. talks about mental health and the importance of mental health. And I think yeah. that's hearing that from a champion and talking about how, like, people should just go to a therapist even, like, just for, for whatever, for, just because mental health is the same as physical health. I just think that's yeah. very refreshing to hear from somebody at, at his stage as well. Yeah, and I think the I just liked what mostly you brought out was you got to bring out the emotion in the guys. And the two most probably uh, biggest things going on in his life outside of the fight is one, you talked about the mental health, the restrictions in Australia. It got like an emotional response from him. And I think that as a, as a journalist and someone as a fan of the sport, it's kind of I want to know what's in his mind regarding those things because that plays a big factor on the fight itself. Well, yeah, and his coaches might not be able to get back to New Zealand to train Dan Hooker and Kai Kara France for their upcoming fights because they just don't have... I think that the laws have changed in recent days, but I think, like, as of March something, they can get back in the country, and it's, like, the middle of... It's, like, not even the middle of February yet, right? And their fights are, like, in March. So I don't know how much their coaches are going to be able to train them as a result of the restrictions in New Zealand. And, and also yeah, the fact I... that they don't look at mixed martial arts in the same way as rugby does, even though they've got two, I guess, well, I guess one champion in Israel representing the sport, all these up-and-coming fighters from New Zealand. I just think that, and I think it's the same here in Canada. People don't, you know, the government isn't looking at mixed martial arts as a professional sport. Yeah. And and honestly, from even from the outside, it's like what someone like a Malcolm and these Canadians and these, what they're doing for their sport and their country, it's going to sound crazy, but it's almost, honestly, it's almost bigger than the Olympics to me, you know? Like, I mean, you're fighting professionally. I mean, I don't know how many people watch the Olympics when someone's competing in it compared to a UFC pay-per-view main event. Like, that's just my, I don't know, I'm maybe biased because I'm into martial arts, but to me, it's a huge thing. Regardless, you're representing your country at the highest level in your sport. You shouldn't pick which sport is more important than the other. You're still representing the country. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Israel said the same, and that's why he says he doesn't want to represent New Zealand anymore. He just says that they they, they don't appreciate him as much as he appreciates being from New Zealand, so why should he reciprocate that? So I thought that was very interesting as well. You can hear the interview, like Joe mentioned, on uh, yeah. tsn.ca slash UFC and on uh, TSN's YouTube page. But before we get into UFC 271, why don't we chat about Sean Strickland's win this past mm-hmm. weekend? And the reason why I want to touch on it is because a lot of people were saying that it was boring. I loved watching that fight. I thought that we saw Sean Strickland's mastery in the jab and in his striking defense. I, and I think that it's in the top three of people in the UFC at those two weapons. He's got to be near the top of the people in the UFC at, at executing those two weapons. Yeah, I mean, the way he pressured forward, I just, I, I knew this was going to happen. I'm telling you, after seeing the way he pressures people, hearing people who train with him talk about that pressure, having sparred with him, I know that pressure is very difficult, even for very good strikers. And he has this takedown defense that's really good. Like, he, he can't be taken down and, I think the one way you almost have to beat 
Strickland is to try to chop his legs. And I, I, I don't know personally, but I think it's his back leg. It must be his right leg that had the surgery because he kind of hides it a lot. He keeps it behind him. He doesn't kick much with it. He throws it once in a blue moon, but he's still the way. Even if you try to kick him, he's, he's just in your face. You're moving backwards. You can't kick moving backwards. So he almost takes away the wrestling because moving backward, it's hard to shoot. It's hard to kick on him because he keeps pressing you back and he's always punching you with something. I think he has something special. And I think that pressure is an intelligent pressure can give someone like even Israel Adesanya a tough fight. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the interesting thing about his pressure, and you can tell me if I'm off on this, because as you and everybody else knows, striking is, is more your uh, bread and butter than it is mine. But I like that he pressures to get into a specific range. Like he doesn't, he doesn't pressure to get you... Um, you know, to get into the pocket with you. He pressures to get into his preferred range, utilizes his game plan, gets out, and then when you start pressuring him, he'll start pressuring you back to get, again, into that range, which I just, I just think is so unique. He's a very interesting fighter to watch for that reason, and that's why I think I took more out of that main event away than a lot of other people did. Yeah, but I also have to say, it as you said, I'm a striker, and I'm, I would consider myself a master of striking. It's yeah, I, I, it's very low-level striking. Jack Hermanson, good mixed martial artist, but his striking is very low level. Um, his combinations were very predictable. Every like when Sean Strickland had to block in the pocket, right? It was like you knew it was left, right, left. If Hermanson was gonna throw jab, cross, hook, maybe a kick out. It was very predictable combinations, very predictable strikes. To make it unorthodox, it should have been like maybe throw double jab and then two hooks off of the same hand. Maybe double up the rear hand, take the rhythm off. Same, but Hermanson was same rhythm, same tempo, same combination, same punch. He was trying to win, but you're not going to win that way. You have to be a little bit more creative. You're going to have to be able to kick a little bit more. I just thought great performance from Strickland. But if you can't take Strickland down in a fight like that, I just thought uh, Hermanson just striking was a little elementary. Yeah, and, and what did you think about Sean Strickland's striking and, and his game plan? Did you think that he's at, at a really high level in terms of the middleweights? And, and additionally, do you think it's that, hard to how, say. how far do you think he can get in the division? I, I don't I don't necessarily say it's high level, but it's simple and effective. I want to say that it's simple and effective. He he's not trying to head kick you really do things. He's, he just wants to consistently put that jab on your face. He wants to consistently try to bust your nose, bust your face, keep walking forward, block punches, make you tired by fighting backwards all the time. I think it's simple yet effective, and I think that's the key for him. It's not really advanced, but simplicity works, right? If you even looked at my career, I didn't have the most extravagant game plan. My game plan was I'm going to pressure you when you Feel my pressure. Guess what? You're going to you're going to want to jab me off of my pressure. As soon as you go to jab me, boom, I chop your leg. And then I keep repeating that. And that simple strategy worked all the way up to a world title for me. The higher guys, it got a little bit more difficult with the debont where I had to box more. And even the Holtz and I wish I had more boxing options. And it was two fights in one night, a different thing. But it's. A simple strategy that was effective, and I think Strickland will go very far with it. And I think if you try to fight Adesanya, fighting like Adesanya with kicking the movement, it's never going to work. Strickland has to keep simple and, and, and keep it. And I think with Adesanya, I think it's it'll be a tough fight, don't get me wrong, but I think Strickland's style will be very tough on Izzy because you need pressure against Adesanya. You need it. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I think that he will get to a championship fight at some point. I, I think that... Aside from maybe Robert Whitaker, he should be able to beat the guys ahead of him, in my opinion. The Cannoneers, the Brunsons, the uh, Vittoris of the world. I think that Strickland should be favored over those guys. 
who's who's next for him? I, I've, I've been hearing a lot of talk, and I know he doesn't really. I know Vittori was great, but I know they're training partners, and they kind of said they don't really want to do it. But I heard one name, and I thought I was really excited for it. But I want to hear who you think. But what's the name you heard? Paulo Costa. Yeah, well, I think that's the logical next fight. Like, I think if because I hear most not, people saying Vittori or yeah, the loser of Brunson, Candinier, Vittori want to fight fight each other. Like they know each other really well. They've sparred together a lot, and. It's just one of those things where if you have the choice, like I think that that would probably be what would make the most sense would be Strickland versus Costa or Strickland versus the loser of this weekend's fight between Cannoneer and uh, Brunson or maybe even the winner, depending on when Israel wants to fight next. Although, although Israel says he wants to fight three times this year, so I imagine he'll probably end up just fighting the winner of that fight. Yeah, I just didn't like the narrative that people were putting on uh, Strickland. He put it on himself a little bit, but uh, he was like, oh, I should have finished him. I should have made you did great, man. Did you great. dominated in a five-rounder against a guy who was ranked higher than you. Yeah, you're supposed to win, but you're dominating. You won four to the five rounds, in my mind. Sal D'Amato was drinking a little too much that night. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was a dominant performance. And I think that almost is like a finish, you know? It, it, I thought it was great. I was surprised by that scorecard. I, I, I thought you could have given – I think fifty forty five Strickland is a better scorecard than, than 48-47 for – yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I you, thought that you I had thought you could make a four case to one. Won all, all of the rounds. The only round I gave Hermanson was the fifth, and even then, I don't even know if that like was because he had a good round, and maybe I just felt like I need. I don't know. Like, yeah, but I, nothing was, was even really landing much on Strickland either. He blocks everything. I know. You know? That, like, that's it's... the thing, right? Like, so I don't even know. I thought that yeah. Hermanson's most aggressive round was the fifth, but even still, I you could probably give that round to Strickland also. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the Canadians that competed on the card. They went three and one. But starting off yeah. with Malcolm Gordon, did you get home on time to see Malcolm Gordon? Boom! It was yes, a quick fight. I did. I did. I did. It was. I had to. I was rushing, but uh, I wasn't rushing. I was rushing home. Yeah. Um, he did great. He, I thought he did fantastic. And the first thing that came to mind to me was his just because I messaged him uh, a couple like a day before the fight, and I just said, uh, I was like, we know how good you are, basically, and it's like you have to start fighting confident and when he fought i saw confidence in him. he wasn't intimidated to get hit he was whipping the straight punches Dude, he even blocked the kick yeah i was totally surprised he finally brought that confidence you know he did get taken down but we know how dangerous he is on his back and the submission attacks and i thought it was good and i think if malcolm can continue to fight with that type of confidence he can do well yeah and i I thought that his post-fight speech was very Canadian. He was like, yeah, I saw that the arm was messed up, so I just wanted to, like, put pressure on it. I, I figured I might break it, but, you know, it's just what, yeah. what do you I don't do? know about that, but it's still a good answer. I yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah. I thought he looked good, of course, against the newcomer. He was a big underdog once again and, and came through. So uh, congrats to Malcolm Gordon. Uh, Alexis big Davis time. beat uh, Julia Stolyarenko. Uh, I thought the scorecards were probably where they should have been. Uh, either you could have gone 30-27 Davis uh 29 27 davis 29 28 davis any of those would have been fine scorecards so uh kudos yeah. to her chidi and jacuani beats mark andre barrio very quickly uh yeah, barrio was just in the wrong range yeah i mean i tell you when when chidi opens up and chidi's gonna she's gonna do well again his wrestling we'll have to see how it gets there but on the feet i mean he's he's up there 
He's up there with Izzy. I'm gonna. I don't know who. I get, I can't guarantee you. Chitty's striking's better than uh, Candanier. His striking's better than Brunson. I just think it's his uh, development as a mixed martial artist has to continue to improve. But if he can handle this wrestling with his size and his frame, I'm telling you, very very dangerous. Chitty versus Alex Pereira. What do you think? That's a great fight. That's a fantastic fight. No, that's that's a seriously fantastic fight. I mean, I seen Chitty fight uh, Simon Marcus, and he did very good with it. So Chitty and uh, I guarantee you that that would be pretty damn good. Nice call. I think Pereira's lined I didn't up think with somebody about right now, but uh, I think that would be a good fight. Down the Silva, road. I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's a Silva. Mm-hmm. Something. One of the Silvas. I don't know the. That that would be an answer for Not you. Not Anderson Silva. A different Silva. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hakeem Dawood looked fantastic against Mike Trezano. I thought he easily won. Mixed it up well. Yep, mixed it up well. And I think you're right. I mean, Hakeem seems to be the the leader of the Canadians almost right now. Doing well. I think talent-wise, he's probably the most talented Canadian in the UFC right now. I think that just, just again, skill for skill. I think that he his striking is up there with anybody. And if he's going to be in that kind of a matchup against Trezano, where there's not going to be that much grappling involved, I think he can beat just about anybody. So kudos to him. Um Shavkat Rachmanov, I think, was the the big prospect that came out of this that everybody is now realizing just how good this guy is. Yeah. Were you impressed with it? What did you think? With Rachmanov? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's hard not to be. The good striking, the spin kick, the the explosiveness. He looked good. He's got so much composure I mean, in there. Like it seems like he's seems like he's having an easy time. Yeah, it's it's like a I know there's a lot of people talking about the the Shamaya, the same kind of fighter and same type of thing, but he just needs to be tested. I think we're at the point where now just keep giving him tougher fights and see what he can do. Well, I think people need to pump the brakes on the him being I heard some people say that he might be have more upside than Shamaya down the road. It's like let's pump the brakes a no little chance. bit. Like let's yeah. let's see Rachmanov beat somebody who's a little bit higher. Uh, in higher esteem than Carlston Harris, and then we can then we can talk. Uh, co-main event: Nick Maximov beats Puna Soriano. Personally, I would have given the fight to Soriano based on the scoring criteria. I thought that he Close. won the first two rounds, but I mean, I, it, based on the eye test, Maximov wins that fight ten times out of ten. Because of the, the takedowns, you're thinking? Yeah, because of the like, takedowns. Ma- Puna landed twice the amount of strikes in the first two rounds as Maximov, and if you were to look at their resumes and gauge who is the more powerful striker, it's Puna Soriano. So Soriano's landing yeah. double the amount of strikes in the first two rounds. Like, wouldn't you give him those rounds if we're not, if, if there's no effective grappling on the other end and it's just him being held down? Because the third yeah. round, I think you give to Maximov, but rounds one and two, like, one, I think for sure yeah. you give to Puna. And then the second round, I think, you know, I don't even think it's a coin flip. I would lean Soriano in that round based on, uh, on damage and effective striking. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It was it very I was kind of wasn't sure either who was going to win based on that. But what I liked with Maximoff is just his age, 24 years old, you know, a Diaz prodigy, which everyone adds to the storyline, having, you know, Nate and stuff with him. And I just think it's a, he's a fun guy. And I was just very surprised at his age, co-main event, undefeated. I mean, looks like a good prospect, but uh, definitely a tough fight for him. And he kind of. He kind of showed up, not, I, I wouldn't say dominantly, but I mean showed up in the way that he talked well on the mic, he seemed confident, he did his thing. So I still see a upside for both of them, but uh, the ceiling's really high for Maximoff. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean all those things are true. It's just I just think that the way that his style of fighting is not friendly for the judges if you're looking at the criteria. And I think that's the, really what needs to improve is like if he's going to take people down, he needs to do damage on the ground. And that will Start make smashing, him a yeah. much more dangerous fighter. 
uh, especially when it comes to scorecards. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. He did the contender series at heavyweight. Well, he did it at middleweight, but his opponent okay. fell off during fight week. The only guy they could get to fill in was like this 265-pound guy. Looked like a truck driver, huge guy. And Maxwell was like, "Yeah, whatever. I'll take it. I just want to be on the show." And he do- and then he, he won fought. a unanimous decision. Um, and then he they, he didn't get a contract, and Dana White was like, "We want to have you on the, the Ultimate Fighter." And he was like, no, I don't want to be on the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> so yeah, he's yeah. like, it's not really my That's style. That's a Diaz but... move right there. Yeah, exactly. Being a now, Diaz, right? And now he and he made this point on Ariel Helwani's show. It's like, you see the two guys that were probably the finalists for the Ultimate Fighter, like that would would have been the finalists because basically Brian Battle fought Treshawn Gore, who was supposed to be facing him in the finale, but got injured lower on the card than Maximov. And Maximov was supposed to be on the season with those guys. So he's like, yeah, I, yeah. I really justified the move to me. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, he did his thing, stuck to what he was worth, and did well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, UFC 271 on the horizon. Israel Adesanya main event, Robert Whitaker, A rematch. And uh, how do you think this one goes, Joe? I think we're going to see a little bit more intelligent Whitaker. I think uh, he's not going to be as uh, antsy. That's the word. I'm antsy to jump in. He was too antsy in the last fight. like, And it was just Adesanya kind of just waiting to counter and ultimately the counter that won them the fight. But uh, I think we'll see a little bit more patient Whitaker. I think we'll see maybe a little bit more leg kicking, um, not rushing the distance and trying to clinch and grapple a little bit more. My gut is telling me um, Adesanya by decision. Yeah, same with me. I'm on the same page as you. Basically, almost verbatim. I think that it's going to be a lot slower paced of a fight, a lot more methodical of a fight. And I think that Israel will win a close decision. Like I I don't think that it's going to be a 50-45 but I think that Israel will eventually win on the scorecards. You know, I heard Eugene Behrman do an interview with Submission Radio, and he was talking about how, to him, he'd rather see his fighter win five rounds clean and show mastery in the cage than to get a finish. He feels like you get more out of that, and it, it proves more about you if you're able to do that, which I, I found very interesting. Yeah, I think there's a good and bad to it. I think... Uh... A lot of people, like, I mean, it comes in a lot in kickboxing. Like, a lot of these kickboxers come and you'll be like, their record, 68 wins, 40 knockouts, or even more than that. You're like, holy, like, what a record. This guy must have crazy power. Then he fights these big names and they're not getting knockouts. They're like, well, you're not getting knockouts. Like, you're fighting the best in the world now. You're you're, you're not talking about this up and coming. Like, you are now fighting Robert Whitaker, who's fighting at the top of the world for so many long. He's going to make adjustments, supreme athlete. So, at the end of the day, the higher level you get in theory it should be harder to get finishes right so i think that should be your game plan at the highest levels like make sure you can go five rounds make sure you can dominate like you it, five rounds is a long time 25 minutes of fighting is a lifetime so um yeah i, I just think uh that's smart the game time the cage time i still think adesanya needs that extra cage time. I know it sounds crazy, but the more Adesanya's in there, the better he's going to get in the long run. If he just starches everybody, it's uh, it's we're not going to get that time to see, is he get tired? Can he strike after wrestling, after being pressed against the cage? Can he go? So I think Israel needs that time. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. I think that, uh, especially against a guy like Whitaker, I think is the second best guy in the division, pretty much hands down. And I think he's proven that since their their first fight. Um, I, I Whitaker game plans got, should to me got to be low kicks. The two guys that I mean I always watch um, my most excited guys I like to watch in the UFC obviously Israel and Alex Pereira. But for me it's like both of those guys are susceptible to one thing: the low kick. 
I mean, my eyes always go to it. That's the one thing. If you chase these guys, these guys are very good at moving their head and slipping punches. So you go to commit to a punch, they move their head and then they counter you. That's how Adesanya caught Whitaker. So when they're in that punchy exchange, moving their head, that's when you just chop the legs and that's it. Don't get involved in these messy punch fights and that's how you do it. So I think Whitaker most likely should be chopping the legs. What do you think about my question to Israel about uh, Alex Pereira and his answer? I thought it was nice. I mean, I thought it was a little aggressive. I don't know. At first, I'm like, is he talking to Aaron aggressively like that? Like, go do your homework and watch it. But uh, he's right. It's pr- Those fights that uh, he ended up losing, he dominated most of the fight. The fight, fight yeah. he got knocked out. Yeah, he was winning the entire fight until he got caught, you know. Uh, the first fight, very close, like you mentioned. Could have won easily on a lot of scorecards. But uh, it's tough. I, and, I mean, it's... Uh, it's the storyline, and I like that he says it. it's a story. It's just only going to help Adesanya get better because there's a narrative. There's something to go behind on, and he gets to kind of write a loss, I rewrite think, it. I think that he should call Alex Pereira out. Like, I think he – I mean, Israel said, like, let's pump the brakes. You know, the guy's new to the UFC. But I think that you can build a really interesting fight there. And if Pereira wins, like, one, two more fights, like, I think you don't want to be – the guy who beats Alex Pereira when he's 37, right? Like, you want to beat Alex Pereira now and get the shine from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think with Pereira's next fight, if he wins, like, I think you can put him against those bigger names now. Like, I think you almost, you should be rushing this fight in my eyes. I think you can put, I, I think a conversation, Alex Pereira versus these Vittoris, that, that was going to be a tough one because Vittori can grapple and wrestle and that kind of thing. But I think those are the types of fights. If Adesan, uh, if Pereira gets past Silva, I think he needs one of those bigger names. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that that's, uh, Certainly a good Rush way. him, push him. Good way of looking at. Push him I, I'm, through. I'm curious who the guy who he's up against next. I gotta look it up because I don't know which Silva you're talking about. And now it's like it's bothering yeah. me because you keep saying Silva, and it probably is a guy named Silva. It's but another Brazilian I'm too. Remember. It is another it's Brazilian. A... Uh, Alex Pereira. I'm just gonna look it up because I it's bothering me now that I don't know. There's too many Silvas. We... Too many Silvas. Tiago's, Andersons, Brada, blah blah. There's too Bruno many. Bruno Silva. Okay, that's Blendado. Bruno Blendado Silva. That guy's really good actually. Very good, yeah. And I think else. he's coming off a good win. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just coming off a nice win he's too. Got, he's got how many wins in a row by KO? He's got seven straight wins by KO. Yeah, this is probably the right opponent. Yeah, yeah. Big name, tough. You know, I don't like the. I know Brazilians don't love fighting each other, but hey, Pereira's uh, a scary, scary man, and I'm uh, I'm riding him all the way to the uh, Adesanya fight. Coming event: Derek Lewis against Tai Tuivasa. I spoke to Derek Lewis last week. And Derek Lewis tends to make stories up, and I don't think that he made this one up per se, but he, he told me that the reason why he wasn't, you know, that the gone fight kind of got to him was that it was the anniversary of him being released from prison. It was the main event for the title in Houston in front of his home crowd. He just said that the pressure was just too much for him to overcome. And I thought that yeah. was just an interesting answer. Now he's fighting. He said fighting in Houston isn't the issue. It's just it was all those things kind of compiled into one large kind of pressure cooker of a situation for him yeah and i think he's just he was honest about it he doesn't want five rounds so don't give him a title fight uh don't give him a main event and i think this is a a nice fight for them i think i think he's expected to win this fight to be honest but uh, i think tui vasa is just gonna be dangerous because he's uh that guy that can kind of move a little bit more i like the over in this fight the over is like plus one over one and a half rounds is like plus 150 
I think that this is going like to start off too. kind of slow pace. I think, I think these guys know how powerful the other one is, and they're going to just kind of... It might be a similar fight to, like, Derek Lewis against Ngannou, like a real feeling-out process early on. Yeah, and I've even seen uh, Tui Vasas training with uh, a good kickboxer, too, that kind of a big, heavy swinger, uh, Earl Zimmerman. They're in, actually, Dubai now. So, I mean, I thought Earl Zimmerman was a great uh, training partner to kind of show a Derek Lewis and Earl Zimmerman, if you if you know him and you're a kickboxing fan, he's fought everybody. I just thought it was pronounced Earl you know? Zimmer, Zimmerman. It's Earl? Earl. E-R-R-O-L. Yeah, Earl. There's a, there's a Jewish, like a Jewish guys spelt it that way, pronounced Errol. Yeah. So that's why I... But yeah, yeah. of course... Earl Zimmerman's definitely Earl not Zimmerman. Jewish. He's definitely not a Jewish guy. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, think so he's yeah, I know Dutch surname. But it's a very Jewish name. Earl Zimmerman. Yeah, Errol Zimmerman would be a very Jewish name. You sound like an old school European, like an Italian man. Oh, every name is Italian or Greek. And hey, okay. hey, if Errol Zimmerman wants to, Take, to, oh. to to join the tribe, he's more than welcome to. That's it. Let him in. Yeah, but he's, but yeah, yeah, he's been around the block. Partner, he's he's got to be in like his, his early forties now, right? Because he's fought every Zimmerman. No, I, I can. I, I think he's in his mid thirties. I think he just fought the craziest fights from such an early age. I would say Zimmerman's maybe late thirties. Max thirty five. That's surprising. He's yeah, younger everybody. than me. He's fought everybody. Like when I tell you he's fought everybody, he's fought everybody in from the K one days to even in the earlier glory days. He's fought everyone. So to have him known for big swinging, looping power punches, like it was a good good training partner to have. Listen to this, like listen to this run of guys that he fought. So Rico Verhoeven, who he beat in twenty twelve, with an, knocked him out in twenty twelve. Jerome Pre Gloria. Le, yeah, Jerome yeah. LeBanner, Semi Schilt. Jamal Ben Sadiq, yep. Rico Verhoeven yep. again, Hedy Gurgis, 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 yeah, Hedy Gurgis, you can say, yeah, Daniel Gita, Ben Edwards, Anderson, Braddock Silva, Rico again. That's like all in a row. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, that's kickboxing. Well, for kickboxing, that's just uh, an old. That's an old school kickboxer fight. Anyone, anytime, anywhere. And even before that, like you look at the names, like Remy, Semi, Semi Schilt. Peter Ertz, <laughs> Bader Hari, like this guy's fought everybody. And, and that's what I was going to say. Like time. this is what this is why sometimes when you see these UFC guys in these records, it's kind of like guys kickboxing. These guys will fight anyone, anytime, anywhere. They have a hundred professional fights. They'll they take fights on two three days notice. If you want to talk about real fighters, talk to Melvin Manhoff. You know, talk to the Bader Haris, talk to these old school guys, and they're going to tell you how fighting. You talk to Ray Sefo and talk about how fighting used to be back in the day. Those were real old school fighters. And didn't these guys just like party yeah. the night before, also sometimes? Oh, they they would party so much and be so drunk, and then the next day even forget their fighting. But they would fight so often, and it, they were just superstars in Japan. They couldn't go anywhere without being mauled. All right, well, you know, let's move on. Crazy. To our- Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson. That's probably a number one contender fight. Uh, Brunson on a real roll, and he said today he's only going to fight two more times. He's going to fight this fight and then whatever the next fight is, and then he's going to retire. So uh, I don't know if that brings him peace of mind or if it feels like he has a foot out the door. Yeah, I mean, uh, he just had a great run. I mean, who would have thought he'd even be in this position again after the resurgence, you know? I like how people kind of reference him as Brunson and then the new blonde Brunson. Blonde Brunson the, the, the re, Yeah, there you go. The blonde Brunson's undefeated. He's found something. Um, he's going in as an underdog. I still feel Cantonier gets it done. Yeah, I mean, he's the underdog. It's a, that's a good fight. I think, though, like great you said, fight. I just Brunson's going to need to take Cantonier down to win that fight. 
I think it being a three-round fight actually benefits Brunson because he can use his energy wisely, more economically. Um, as opposed to if it was a five-round fight, I don't think he'd be as persistent with the takedown. So I think that if this was like a fight night main event, I would certainly favor Cannonier. But I think in a three-round fight, I think Brunson's got a better chance of winning, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely got a better chance. I, it's, I think the first round's going to tell a lot. I mean, we'll see how... Kandanir can use the range and if Brunson can close it safely to be honest and clinch him up and press him against the wall Brunson's got a tough style I mean I'll tell you I've always counted Brunson out so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it done yeah I think a lot of people have um and I'm wondering how often he's been the like has has he been an underdog for the entire blonde Brunson era like let me gonna, I would think so yeah because when did that blonde uh, Brunson era start after Izzy um uh, let me let me see because I know he's he's got that win over Till. Yeah, okay, so here here it is. So he loses to Izzy. He was an underdog against Elias Theodoru. Underdog against Ian Heinish. I think he won that fight. He lost to Theodoru, didn't he? Uh, did he? No, I think he beat Theodoru. Was that? I think Theodoro's it was what's his name who lost then? to Elias. It was uh the guy who lost to him in Toronto. I'm pretty sure Brunson beat Elias. I'm, I think you're thinking okay. of. Uh, Eric Anders is who Elias Okay, is. yes, 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 so, uh, yes, yes. And then I think he beat Heinish. I can't remember if he beat Heinish. Underdog in that fight. Underdog against Edmund Shabazi and who he beat. Underdog against Darren Till who he beat. So, yeah, the blonde Brunson, has, he's been an underdog. I, mean, I think he beat Heinish. Am I right on that? Well, sense. if he's undefeated, I would think so. Yeah, no? he beat Heinish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, uh, blonde, bro- oh, and, and Kevin Holland. I'm sure he was uh, an underdog in that fight, too. That's not Oh, yeah. And that was when Holland was on a little yeah, streak yeah, there, too. Yeah, he was an underdog against Kevin Holland, also. The underdog, Blonde Brunson. Yeah. Let's see. Scrap the, the cat, it. Doing the money his thing. All yeah, the and, he's, he's, money and he's with Stanford MMA now, right? I believe. So, he's got some, what was missing, a little bit of pop in his striking. So, he's putting oh, it I all together think, well. And, I also think bodies, right? Like, he was training in North Carolina at his home gym, right? I, I just don't think that he got. The amount of people, like the amount of good guys to to go with in the gym. Yeah, you look yeah. at the amount of being around good Stanford. guys. Whew, it's like it's like a murder. Oh, I know, road. crazy. I know. Every time I watch Henry Hoof's uh, when they do like sparring, I was like, crazy. And like you, these are all high level pro guys, and there's like seventy of them in a room sparring. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah, crazy. Um, anything else on this card stand out to you? Uh, I know. You got Kyler Phillips. I like the Bobby Green. Bobby Green I like the Bobby Green Haskras. That that's the one I'm kind of intrigued about. How do you think it goes? I I like I, I'm I'm riding with Bobby Green. I, I think Bobby Green is just too slick. Uh I know Hasprat wants that big power punch in, but Bobby Green's too slick, his head movement. I think you beat Bobby Green with good low kicking and good kicks in general, and I don't think uh Nasrat has that. When I interviewed Roxanne Modifer earlier, I said something to her off the bat. I said, everybody's saying you're a pioneer of women's mixed martial arts. You're a pioneer of mixed martial arts. Like, she started in 2003. Like, she started one year after George St. Pierre as a professor. Yeah. Like, she's she's not just a pioneer of women's mar- mixed martial arts. She's. I, I also, it blew her mind when I told her that she's beaten opponents that are born in four different decades. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to even remember, like, remember, I trained... Antonio Carvalho many years ago. It's been so many years. Probably 12 years and, right now, 12, t- 13 years. At least, yeah. The times I've helped him in the UFC from the training, from being a fan of his. I'm pretty sure when at this point, like 
Antonio was ranked above probably Uriah Faber as one of the top featherweights in the world at, at early pre-UFC time. And even at that time, when he was living in Japan, I'm pretty sure he was training with uh, Roxanne in Japan back in those days too. So she's definitely been around for many, many, many years. She's definitely a vet. And I think with her, what's made her, to me, so successful is she has a body type where she's almost like you shouldn't be as good as you are. She's trusted the she, she doesn't look like a big physically strong woman. She just her she's focused on her jujitsu and her unorthodox style and she's had a fantastic long career. Good on her. Sean Al Shadi wrote a great piece on her this week. It was it was actually more of uh him doing interviews and taking the best parts of those interviews and putting it all together. And uh it was talking about how she, I guess she was probably like 4-0 at the time. And uh, Jessica Howe, I think was her name, was like 12-0. She was like the best women's mixed martial artist in America. And her opponent fell out. And Tara LaRosa told the promoter, like, you need to book Roxanne Modafferi. And he's, like, the promoter was like, I picked her up from the airport. And she had like her glasses. And I was like, she's going to get killed. Like, on, in my yeah, show, yeah. we're going to see her get killed. And like, he like was feeling really uneasy about it. And he said that when she walked out to the cage or ring or whatever it was in that promotion, that the fans like thought they were watching like a squash match, like that it was that she was going to get destroyed, like that she was basically like yeah. lamb to the, to the slaughter. And then she went out and beat her, and then they everybody demanded a rematch, and then she beat her again in the rematch, like. And but everybody Perfect. was just so shocked because, like you said, like at face value, she doesn't look like what you think of when you think of a fighter. Yeah, and that was honestly a lot of my career too. Where I, when I fought, I think it was my second profile. I fought Dorian Price, who was like an Ultimate Fighter alumni, like big, strong, ripped, tattoos everywhere. Then there's me with my hair done, <laughs> you know, just sitting there politely and quietly. And then when I knocked him out, that's when everyone was. It, it brings more attraction when you're the just outlier. by look supposed to lose yeah and then you and you knock that person out so roxanne made a whole career on that basically yeah you kind of did too right like you're this canadian yeah. guy in kickboxing where canada doesn't have a whole lot of representation mm. no tattoos big smile unassuming and then you get in there and you're you're Polite. pressuring guys and making their lives miserable just putting people out that's <laughs> it uh all right well we got we got five more minutes anything else you want to touch on israel uh signed a new contract today with ufc making him uh, according to a press release, one of the highest paid fighters in mixed martial arts history, which I don't doubt. So okay. uh, kudos to him and to Paradigm, his team, on, uh, on that. Uh, this is Adesanya. So, I mean, we know Francis was making 600 a fight, so he's probably more than that, right? I wouldn't be surprised if he's making two, three million a fight now. True. Without a win bonus, you think? Maybe. Or with win bonus, championship yeah, I'm, bonus? I'm sure he pay-per-view points. Yeah. Good on him, Izzy. Good stuff, man. Being a, a kickboxer who there was no money in it to come and do what he's doing in the UFC. Well done, my man. I actually wanted to ask Roxanne today, and I forgot um, like what the least amount of money she was ever paid to fight was. Because like I'm guessing in 2003 in women's mixed martial arts, they were probably making like 100, 100 bucks to fight. Like How much do you think they were getting paid to fight? Yeah, I mean, my first pro fight, I made $400. And uh, of the $400, I had to pay 
my commission fee, which was $150 to fight. So my 400s down. And then I had to pay two corner license were $50 each. So 250 of my 400 went to commission license. So what does that leave me with? $150 left. And then from my 150 bucks, I had my coach and my, my training partner. So what did I have to do? I had to buy their meals, three meals a day for all of them. I lost money to go to New York. Yeah. So yeah, and I still go. I'm friends with the promoter. I was like, "You owed me 500." I said, "You, you told me 500 and paid me 400." Then he ended up taking me for dinner after one glory event to pay that 100 bucks there back. But 400 bucks. It all, it all, it yeah. all worked out in the end. You got it all worked meal. out. I got my 100 bucks down. Even with inflation, it should have been 200 by then. At least maybe 300, but I let it go. I hope they took you to a good restaurant. I didn't juice them. Take you to like McDonald's or something. No, I think it was a diner right by the thing. Uh, it was a breakfast diner. So yeah, now I still think he bucks. owes me a little bit. Yeah. He owes me a couple a more meals. More. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there wasn't money in kickboxing and Muay Thai and even early MMA. It just wasn't there. So she's definitely seen uh, the early and now at least she got to be part of it. I, th- I think that's what's amazing. She got to tell the story of the I made nothing to now being in the UFC, probably, you know, doing all right. We've got four minutes left, so try, probably trying to get into this Joe Rogan conversation. We, we don't have a ton of time on, on that, so maybe, we, maybe we'll talk about that next week. Uh, anything you, Any bets you have for this uh, particular card? I don't know. It's kind of tough. It's kind of I'm, – I'm, I'm leaning. I'm going to go probably because uh, I have to do some uh, bets online uh, with mybookie.ag for these fights. So I'm kind of going with uh, – I think I'm going to take that Adesanya by uh, – by decision, plus uh, I yeah. think I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Derek Lewis. I think he's gonna, pardon me, I, I'm not gonna go by finish. I think, I think he gets it done, but I don't know how. I'm just gonna probably go straight up on that. Um, I don't know who else I'm gonna pick. I thought, uh, I thought uh, Adesanya's training partner was on it too. That I was thinking, he is blood, blood diamond. diamond blood they call him. Okay, and I was thinking of just because. Uh, He's a friend, kind of sprinkling a little bit with him. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, he's plus 190. You get good odds on uh, on Blood Diamond in his uh, in his fight. So, yeah. I, uh, plus 190, nice. I did my picks yesterday, but I don't know if I sent them in because my microphone died on me yesterday. I had to go get a new microphone set up last night, get the Best Buy right before closing time to get that uh, okay. taken care of. So hopefully my voice sounds okay on this uh, this particular sounds uh, good to me. thing we're doing. Uh, I'm looking at the levels, and it seems like we're doing okay. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I, I took Israel by decision like you did. I took Tui Vasa and Derek Lewis over one and a half. It was, uh, it's now like plus, plus 150-ish. Um, what else did I take? I took uh, a parlay. Alex Perez parlayed with the Alberg Charant. doesn't go to a decision. And what was the last leg of that one? Last leg. Well, then Kyler Phillips. So that's like about even money. That was uh, that was one, and I can't remember what else. I don't know if I took AJ Dobson. I was thinking of taking AJ Dobson, but I don't know if I did. I'm gonna have to go back and watch my. Uh... Oh, I have William Knight. I took at plus one forty-five. I think that's it. Well, Alex Hernandez is a nice underdog bet. Yeah, I, I was looking Moicano's at that too. Moicano's pretty good too. What's but the odds on Hernandez? Hernandez is very KO? good. Because I think that's a like that's a, a that's a nice a little touch. Hernandez by KO is plus two twenty-five. Hernandez inside the distance is plus 240, so that's much better odds. <laughs> so, yeah, I might take Hernandez inside the distance in that fight at plus 240. I like those odds. 
And then they they put Blood Diamond as Mike Diamond. Mike I don't even know Mike what his Mathetha name is. is what his name is on uh, on best uh, best fight odds. But yeah, Mike. He's, I've seen yeah. Mike Diamond. I've seen Blood Diamond. I've seen Mike Mathetha. I don't know. I know his blood name is his his nickname is Blood Diamond. Yeah. That's how we refer refer to him in Glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he that's has one Glory fight. Build also. All right, Joe. Well, I know you got a call good to card. jump on. So uh, we will talk more next week. We'll recap this card. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.